0: sometimes the best stories in golf
1: aren't found on tour you'll find them at the back of the range and here's your host ben Adelberg, and welcome to the back of the range i am your host ben Adelberg. this is episode 315 what a summer If you followed the back of the range and my coverage of amateur golf this summer, thank you very much for coming along for the ride. I did the calculations and I think it was just under 10,000 miles traveled, starting with my trip to the Dogwood Invitational in Atlanta way back in June, and then eventually wrapping up my trip to the U.S. Amateur out at Cherry Hills. Lots of travel, fantastic golf, wonderful people, yes, this was a dream summer, and the first year of the partnership between the Back of the Range and the Elite Amateur Golf Series. I say first because the partnership will continue in 2024. So thank you again to Andy Priest and everyone at the Elite Amateur Golf Series for a great summer, and I look forward to running it back next year. I just recently returned from Scotland, and having the Walker Cup at St. Andrews set some pretty high expectations, and they were easily exceeded. I had not been back to St. Andrews since 2018, and it was as if I never left. I saw so many old friends, many of them in the Dunvegan, of course, and it really felt as if it was a reunion week for people that love and follow amateur golf. The weather was was incredible. I think we had the same weather in St. Andrews that we did two years ago at Seminole down here in South Florida, so go try and figure that one out. I had rain gear, rain gloves, protective waterproof sleeves for all my camera equipment. I was ready. And yeah, that all stayed in my suitcase for the entire week. The golf, well, the golf was incredible from both teams. US, GB, and I, they put on an incredible show where the ultimate winner was amateur golf. The US team did prevail when it was all said and done. I could not be happier for US captain Mike McCoy. As you would imagine, I saw him quite a bit this summer at the Lead Amateur Golf Series events. He was so invested in this team and their success, so I'm very happy for him and his family, as well as the entire U.S. team and their families. So special thanks to Captain McCoy, Robbie Zalznik, the entire United States team. They let me tag along for the entire week and snap a few photos here and there. Couldn't ask for a better way to close out the summer of 2023. Now that I've enjoyed a restful three-day vacation, it's time to get back out on the road and kick off a new college golf season. I'm starting off the 2023-24 collegiate golf season at the Annika Intercollegiate presented by 3M. Yes, this year I'm starting off at one of the marquee women's events of the year. The defending national champions Wake Forest will be there along with Florida State, South Carolina, and Virginia. So I'm off to Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I'll be looking to catch up with some of my friends from the Haskins Foundation. And if you didn't know, the Haskins Award and the Annika Award are presented annually by the Haskins Foundation to honor the most outstanding collegiate golfer in the United States. More on that a little later. Little housekeeping. So I know that the podcast episodes haven't been rolling out as quickly as they used to. That's on me and all of the summer travel that I've been managing. I'm going to correct that issue moving forward, and you can expect more episodes this fall, so I do appreciate all of your patience while I've been figuring out this new travel schedule. Merch is still for sale on the website. Just go to thebackoftherange.com. That's where you'll find all the links to the social media channels as well. It's also a great place to shoot me a message and let me know what you think about the direction of the Back of the Range. Always good to hear from listeners and supporters of everything we're trying to do around here. Now, this episode was recorded right after the USAM at Cherry Hills. And like I said, because of that quick turnaround between the USAM and the Walker Cup, I just didn't have a chance to post it, but I definitely wanted to get it out there because I always like catching up with Neil Shipley from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I spent the entire summer chronicling Neil's magical run through the gauntlet of amateur golf tournaments this past summer. Runner-up finishes at the Dogwood, the Son of Hannah, and the Transmiss. Neil was the hottest player of the summer, not named Nick Dunlap. So it wasn't too much of a surprise to see him captivate the galleries at Cherry Hills and find himself in the championship match of the U.S. Amateur. Now, this is the second time that Neil has appeared here at the back of the range. Last September he was a guest on episode two hundred seventy four. So if you want more of that start in the game narrative and historical, you know, story of his beginnings, I invite you to go check out that episode. And after you listen to that one, pop back over to episode three hundred fifteen. So in this episode we're gonna of course talk about the summer of Shipley and the US amateur. And we also discussed that, you know, little piece of mail he's gonna get around the holidays. That will invite him to participate in next year's Masters Tournament. So let's jump right in. Let's get started. Neil, you're at the back of the range. How are you? I'm
0: good, Ben. Thanks for having me again. You uh
1: you are welcome. Um, yeah, you are the rock star of amateur golf right now. Um, how have the last two days, have the last two days been since returning home? from Cherry Hills. You're, uh, you're back in Columbus, I assume.
0: So I flew out Sunday night, um, back to Columbus and I drove back into Pittsburgh, uh, Monday morning just to try and, uh, get away from golf for a little bit and, uh, relax and kick my feet up. You know, I've been, been taking a bunch of interviews and things like that, but just, uh, just trying to soak in what was the week and process it and, uh, just, be mentally fresh for the uh fall season to start
1: yeah you got a tournament coming up pretty soon uh, buckeyes kick things off in arizona uh, at the uh, maui gym so i guess you got about what like two weeks three weeks before you gotta get right back to it
0: yeah yeah it's a quick turnaround especially after such a long week i think played somewhere in the neighborhood of 190 holes uh including oh. practice rounds throughout the week so it's uh just uh, you know, just trying to recover and uh, be as fresh as possible, and to help the team win. You know, that's uh, it, after a long summer, it's uh, it's crazy that we're already uh, in college golf and into the college golf season and qualifying and all that. But uh, we're uh, I'm excited for it and excited for my last year as, in as a college student and a Buckeye.
1: So we'll talk a lot about the USAM, obviously, but uh, you know, you mentioned 190 holes. Can you maybe you don't even, you don't need to pick out a specific day? We can talk about a you know stroke play round, whatever. But like, what was your the beginning of your day? You know, the ending of your day? How long were your days? Obviously, depending on where you're going, whether it's Cherry Hills or Colorado Golf Club during stroke play. But you know, it's not just show up. You know, grab a bag, hit a few balls, roll a couple of putts, and go. It's um at this level, it's what, an eight, ten hour day each day?
0: Oh yeah, it's it, they get long. Yeah. I like to I'd like to point out like the semifinal day in particular because that's the day where I switched caddies and um I had Carter my good friend, come out and uh you know, I we went out to the course uh tea times were like twelve forty five or twelve fifteen and I had him out there we were out there at seven AM and I was like, Look, Carter you're going to start putting now because I want wanted him to get used to the greens. So we were, we were up there early, you know, just kind of getting used to just the getting him used to everything and acclimated. And then, you know, we, you know, go back home, have breakfast. I usually get to the course two hours before we play. So, you know, I'm there at 10 and then you play, finish up, you know, that, after that mob on 17, you know, it was, uh, was signing autographs and uh, you know taking a bunch of pictures with people, and, and then I got pulled out of that to go do some media. I think I had NBC Sports, some USGA media, and then Sirius XM. And after all that, I mean, we teed off at twelve, and I think it was almost like six thirty by the time I had like settled down from all that and got time to actually you know think um, and you know give you know process what had happened.
1: What does a finely tuned athlete like yourself do uh, to physically recover after a typical round of golf? Forget about the semis at the USAM because that, all that normal routine stuff, I'm guessing, is thrown right out the window. So. What does? Uh, by the way, did you notice how I threw in finely tuned athlete? I didn't get any sort of a laugh or anything like nothing. <laughs> you expected that, all right. So what, I what? mean
0: you know? I mean, I think two, two, 240 and you know six foot one with a little bit of a belly that 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 that's peak athleticism there, Ben. I that, I don't know what you are talking about.
1: I I think it's a hundred percent right. I mean, you are you are a hoss. So what do you? I mean, a regular stroke play around at a U.S. Amateur. What is the cool down that you try and do? You know, assuming you don't have to talk to media. Or
0: uh, or sign autographs. Um, yeah, for for those days, it's definitely a little different. You might work on whatever you worked on, uh, or you're going to work on whatever was maybe not as great throughout your day. Um, but especially a stroke play, it's if you if you're finishing up your first stroke play round, then you're thinking about the golf course tomorrow. So you know, I think I played I played Cherry Hills uh, afternoon the first day, and right after I finished up, we drove over to colorado golf club and the green uh the greens are significantly different you know colorado golf club is mostly bent grass meanwhile uh cherry hills is mostly Poana, so you know we spend a lot of time there in the evening putting just kind of getting used to the grass and the way the ball breaks out there um just so you know we're ready and tuned up to go for the morning
1: so um I obviously uh, people that follow the back of the range know that I have spent uh, quite a bit of time following, um, you know, college golf throughout the season, um, spent some time with the Buckeyes in the spring. And, you know, if I'm looking at your record in the spring, uh, you know, top 20 at, uh, at the Johnny O at sea Island, uh, 34th at Colton river, um, you know, not, uh, you know, really nothing really stands out. Truthfully, um, you know, a little top 10 uh, at, at your home term at the Kepler And then we kind of get to the NCAAs where that third round really kind of you you basically put the Buckeyes on your back to get them into the final day of stroke play to try and get into that uh, into that match play portion didn't happen. But, you know, if I'm looking at something that would pinpoint the start of this incredible summer that you had, is that it or is there something else that uh, you can kind of look to and pinpoint as this is when things turn for you?
0: Uh, Yeah, I definitely think that that tournament, um, you know, I think regionals and that kind of both kind of propelled me into the summer with a lot of momentum. Um, I think I was was playing really well at regionals. I think I might have finished around 13th out there. And I go into nationals playing some pretty good golf. And, uh, I mean, at the first three rounds, uh, after the third round I was in second place against, you know, the best college golfers in the country. And that was huge for my confidence. And then also, you know, those last – Four holes, you know, making three birdies in my last four holes to help get the bucks, you know, into a playoff against Texas Tech. And then, you know, I drained like a 45 footer in, in that playoff to get us through by one. And so really kind of I think that, you know, just really threw me into the summer with a lot of good vibes and a lot of momentum. And we just uh, took it and ran with it.
1: Did you um? Did you now? You played a lot of tournaments in the summer. Um, a lot of great success. Uh, you know, we'll talk about a few of these runner-ups that you had. Uh, you know, you finished fourth in the Elite Amateur Golf Series uh, standings, which you know gets you uh you know, gets you a lot of different opportunities. We'll get to that in a minute. But did you always kind of know that you were going to play a real busy summer? What were your kind of thoughts about how to approach uh, amateur golf in the summer? Because again, it's really it's different than college you have to kind of, you know, do you just not even bother giving yourself rest? You just jump into it full force. How did you approach, um, you know, a, a summer?
0: Yeah. Well, for, for me, it was probably something unique about it was I was still taking summer classes in, uh, June and, uh, into early July. So I had to schedule some things around finals week. And, uh, then I also had to schedule things around USC amateur qualifying because I, my ranking wasn't good enough to get straight in. So mm-hmm. I, I wasn't able to play the North South or the Northeast because of finals and the US amateur qualifying. So, you know, I once I knew that as like, well, I'll start off the summer hot with, you know, dogwood and sunny Hannah back to back. You know, I was lucky enough. I think as the, as a state amateur champion in Pennsylvania, they typically give you an invite. And then, uh, I think some of my play last year making the cut at the Western, the first cut of 44, that really helped solidify my spot in that field. Um, then after that you know i was uh i had to kind of struggle to get into some of these fields i got into transmiss pretty quickly but to get into the uh, pacific coast and the southern you know i had to uh i you know I, I i was an alternate pretty much for most of it i didn't really get in late until um you know some of my later play in the summer and uh as soon as i got into those ones it was like well if i go play all of these i got a chance to chase down the lead AM cup and um i think that led to a, a crazy July where I played four tournaments in a row, something that I don't plan on doing again because <laughs> it was, it was really exhausting. By the time I got to the Western at the end of the summer, i had kind of ran out on ran out of gas and, uh, was pretty much done with traveling and being on the road and plane rides. And I had to sleep in an airport or two. And it was, uh, you know, it, it, it's great though, because doing that and I think something that's awesome, um, about the lead amateur series is it's really preparing us as us meaning amateurs yeah. to go on to the next level and be a touring professional. Cause those are the type of things you have to deal with when you're on the Canadian tour or corn Ferry Like you're going to have issues with planes. You're going to have cancellations. you got to rent cars. You got to plan your travel and you know, you might miss a flight here and there. So you might to sleep at an airport and then go play Monday qualify the next day or something like that. Um, just uh just you know i think it's uh that really prepared me it's going to pay dividends later um for sure
1: yeah it's one of those things that i know you guys and when i say you guys you know you know top level elite amateurs i know you guys want to be professionals you want to play on tour and you know get on those private jets and play those exotic locations and and you know cash those big checks but man I think you hit it right on the head. The the elite amateur series is something that kind of shows everyone like, look, y- there is a pathway to get there, and we all see who's there right now. But to get there, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna be trying to chase down connecting flights. You're gonna be having, you know, not the healthiest of meals all the time. You're gonna be s- sleeping in some beds that are not the most comfortable, and it comes down to how bad do you want it. So. Yeah. It sounds to me like you basically threw your threw yourself into maybe a little bit of an uncomfortable situation to see how you deal with it now, as opposed to maybe that first year as a professional.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, it, uh, the great thing about being an amateur is, you know, we're only really playing for pro shop credit. So, you know, who cares if you finish fifth or 50th, um, you know, obviously you're playing for pride yeah. and all that, but, um, you know, down the line, it's, uh, you're going to be playing to for a check, and uh, that could be the difference between, you know, being able to eat a nice meal or maybe going to McDonald's or something like that. Um, I'm so, so glad uh, you
1: brought up nice meals, so let's put you on the spot. Best mm-hmm. uh, Best player dining of the summer is, in your opinion... <sighs> Because you mentioned six one two forty, a little bit of a belly. You know your way around player dining. I mean, I'm not, I'm not speaking out of school here. I'm not, I mean, you're, you threw it out there first. So, and and ju- judging by uh, um, how how I look right now, since I've been around that player dining as well, um, I'll give you mine if you give me yours. I'll, we'll do it that way. Best player dining of the summer is
0: I I would have to give. And actually,
1: you can't count the USM. Yeah, uh, leave the USM out of it. Sorry.
0: No, no. I, I'm I'm going to have to give it to the Pacific Coast Amateur then. Because okay. they, I know you weren't there, but they had a really good selection of some, like, just different foods. Like, you know, instead of just getting the grilled chicken, they had, sure. you know, they, there's like one night they had like some Chinese food or another night they had more Italian food. And that the dessert selection at that, uh, at Capilano was phenomenal and they have some pretty uh, great local desserts in Vancouver that uh, I would recommend that everybody try if you're out there.
1: That's a brilliant move, Neil Shipley. Not offending anyone in the United States, he's just basically going to Canada, which is serving as the Switzerland vote. In his, I see what you did there. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna hold up my end of the bargain. I'm gonna go with this for breakfast. I'm gonna go with the Northeast Amateur because they had the omelet station. Um, mm-hmm. I know you weren't there, but I'm going to just say for breakfast, I got to go with the, my friends that want to moist it and, um, for, for lunch and dinner, uh, it's really hard to get away from the Western amateur. It's really hard for what they do there. So, um, so yeah, I got to go, I got to go Western am, uh, for, for lunch and, and, and dinner. So
0: North North shore were phenomenal hosts. And that one is that's definitely up there in my top three of the summer. So they, uh, they did a great job there. That's, you know. That, that's a reason to go to a tournament is a good buffet yeah. that's for sure yeah
1: and what about what about pro shop credit you got it you racked up a lot of pro shop credit this summer i mean you got a runner-up <laughs> at dogwood you got runner-up at uh um sunny hannah you got runner-up at transmiss uh third at pack coast um so talk to me like uh, have you had any good well you're probably buying stuff for other people you're just such a selfless person
0: oh yeah i mean at the end of the day, though, there's only so much stuff you can get. Well, um, I know.
1: like, And also, you got to jam that crap in your suitcase. That's the other problem that no one understands. Like, you can't get a lot of – you can't get sweaters and pullovers. Where are you going to put all that stuff?
0: Exactly, exactly. You know, I think some of the best investments I made with my Pro Shop credit, you know, I was, I did get some stuff to give away, but um, it just so happened at Brook Hollow. They're giving us, like, a great discount, like a member's discount off the thing. So, I mean, I got – I pulled up like a few shirts and a few hats and got some for my buddy who's catting for me. And then they're like, Oh, Mr. Shipley, you still have $400 left to spend. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my goodness, how I'm going to do this. And they happen to have a lot of Therabody body products. They, oh. I got myself one of these, uh, like back massage, heating things. I yeah. got, uh, a vibrating peanut to help roll out in the back and, uh, some legs and a few other, uh, good investments in the body. Um, which are, uh, I've been traveling with a lot now, and it's it's just nice to have. And you can use Pro Shop Credit for some things like that that uh, you wouldn't uh, necessarily be able to get otherwise. Um, so it's uh, <laughs> there's a lot of ways you can go with it, but that's my route that I like to go with. That's
1: smart, yeah. At, at, at some point, I mean, yeah, you know, pullovers and shirts, and at some point it's like, okay, I, you know, I, I got all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. Um. Well, we're going to talk about the USAM, but I, I love how you kind of mentioned the fact that you know you you got in as an alternate on some of these tournaments. You got into Sunny Hannah as a Pittsburgh, I'm sorry, as a Pennsylvania amateur champion. Um, but you you know this this USAM that everyone you know basically you were you're brought out to the world of golf at this USAM at Cherry Hills. But um, you know you earned an exemption into it uh, based on how you finished the Elite Amateur Golf Series, but. You, you didn't wait around to see if that would be the case. You actually went and qualified into a 36 year qualifier. And I need you to kind of refresh my memory and the memory of the listeners. They're thinking like, okay, this is the hottest guy of the summer. You know, they're rolling out the red carpet at the USM for him. No, you had to go qualify. And if I remember right, it was uh, – you, you, you kind of caught fire in the last few holes just to qualify, didn't you?
0: Yeah, I think I played my last uh, – there's a stretch there where I went, I think, birdie he- – birdie par eagle birdie birdie and then so it says i think uh, about five or six deep on one side coming in on my last nine um and i think i i had like about a one shot cushion i think i gave one up on my uh 50 35th hole but it was uh i mean it, that that qualifying it's so challenging because you have you know i know the guys who finished third fourth fifth six they're all a bunch of college players who are really good and you know the guy who finished ahead of me. It was uh, Bo Tennessee's assistant coach, and yeah. uh, it's. Uh, I mean, y- you got a lot of great competition, and it's. Uh, it's. It's hard to qualify. I mean, it's. It's just a challenge, and it's one of the longest days in amateur golf for sure.
1: You get into this USM, you uh, you got to get through. There's 312 players. You got to get through 36 holes of, of stroke play just to get into the round of 64 into match play surprisingly uh, i think for the first time in at least 20 years there's no playoff which is just incredible that that happened it was 64 on the number Um, you shoot 69 at cherry hills on the first day and then you go over to colorado golf club where you know we saw a lot of low numbers we saw a lot of high numbers too that was kind of the general sentiment i was kind of hearing from guys saying you're going to see a lot of low scores there and then you're also going to see a lot of high scores because of the because of the fescue and just, you know, it, it you know, eights are, are possible, you know, huge numbers are possible. Mm-hmm. I think Stuart Hagstead made a 10. Sorry, Stu, I know you're listening. Um, but these things happen. So you finish after two rounds at one under and you kind of think you're safe because I, I saw you uh, chipping with, with your uh, uh, OSU teammate, uh, Max Moldovan over at uh, Cherry Hills. But, you know, those last few holes to kind of put that 73 on paper, that could not have been a very comfortable situation.
0: Oh, no, not at all. You know, it was, it was, it's tough. You know, I went, so I came down the back nine there and as on number 16, it's a par five and I hit the green in two. And I know if I just nestle this putt down there and two putt, like I'm, I'm going to have a little bit of a cushion being at, two, you know, two under total then, or, you know, some, or one, one, on, one under total. It's like, I, I thought at the time, even would be good and, you know, one under is a hundred percent in. And what do I do? I go ahead and three jab that hole. Um, and then I go into a super challenging part three where I, you know, I end up hitting the green and being 60 feet away from the pin. And I had to go two putt from 60 feet with all the nerves going on. And then coming up 18, you know, I hit, you know, you know, having the mindset of let's, let's like try to make one more, get safe at, you know, one under. And I hit a good shot in there and just and run a probably a 15 footer in and, I'll be honest with you. It ha- it had quite a bit of pace hitting the back of the hole going downhill and uh I'm pretty lucky it hit the hit the hole 'cause uh don't know where it would have went if it missed it. And uh yeah, it's just some of those one of those things where you gotta get you know, part of the, the long weeks at this the am is uh just getting lucky sometimes and yeah. just catching some good breaks. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's uh that is definitely the case. And and speaking of <laughs> speaking of getting good breaks, you get this round to sixty four and you know, a lot of the attention was uh, focused on the uh, Gordon Sargent-Nick Dunlap match. Um, and, you know, rightfully so. I mean, gosh, you have number one ranked guy in the world. You have Nick, who, uh, you know, U.S. Junior Amateur Champion. He'd won twice in the summer. And everyone's looking at that match. And I'm going down the list. There's a lot of great matches. And then I get to yours, and I'm saying, wow, uh, you got really the one of the oldest college players in the field who's, who's been hot all summer. And you get Wen Yi Ding, who's the 22. I'm sorry, he is the 2022 U.S. Junior Amateur champion. I know you saw him at the Transmiss. Everyone that I talked to that played with him this summer was like, "Yeah, this kid's the real deal." He's uh, committed to
0: Arizona State. But
1: when you see that match coming up, you're like, "Well, I guess we're getting started, right?"
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was definitely a firm handshake to start the match play uh, section. It was. I knew as soon as I saw his name, I was like, man, this is going to be a tough match, especially <laughs> just because he, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He no. just he hits the ball so straight off the tee, and he hits his iron so good, and he's a really solid putter, and his short game, you know, his weaknesses is probably his short game putting, but he, when I say weakness, it's not yeah. like it's bad. It's really, really good, and he's he's bound to be one of the best college players definitely one of the best freshmen coming in he's just such a solid player and you know i think uh, it, it took me all of 18 holes to close him out and it's just because he's just that good of a player and i i definitely got a few good breaks in there and made it made a few really long putts to keep myself in that match
1: well you uh you, you beat when you ding you beat Callum scott in around the 32 and 20 holes that's uh you know uh Walker cupper uh, heading to St Andrews. I mean, and those are really on paper, at least, are the two toughest matches that you had. Um, you know, in the afternoon, I guess you continue the momentum against Callum and you beat Cooper Jones three and two. And I thought the the quarterfinal match was uh, kind of interesting against Andy Zhu because you know Andy, you know, had a great uh, tournament at the North and South, but. Um, you know, Andy, Andy's kind of another, one of those under the radar guys. And I looked at that one. I thought that was kind of a fascinating match where Andy's kind of quiet and, and you really don't know what you're going to get out of him. He's such an accomplished player, but he's not one of those jump off the page kind of guys.
0: Yeah. His, his game is uh sneaky, really good. Yeah. He's a, he's, he's a really good putter and he's a really good chipper of the golf ball. Um, and I don't think he gets enough credit for his ball striking. Cause it's really, really solid. Um, you know, it's uh, that match was one of the tougher ones too. That helped. You know, I think I got down early in that one and had to climb my way back there too. It's so that was, uh, you know, that was super challenging. And uh, he's a he's a good player. And I think that's I uh, that was probably one of the harder harder matches I had throughout the week was against him.
1: How do you release the pressure in a match to kind of get yourself prepared for the next one? Because there's there's no relaxing in. Um, You know, in a stroke play round, you know, you make a bogey. You're like, that's okay. I'll get it back. Well, a bogey means you lost a hole potentially when you're playing match play. And so there's 18 holes, 18 basically individual matches, um, you know, in a round of golf when you're playing match play. How do you kind of release that pressure when you're done so that you just don't, you know, you got to kind of keep the well filled as much as possible. So how do you release that pressure before your next match?
0: You know, for me, it's just going back, and you know, I would uh, call some of my friends from home. You know, just talk to guys and just be normal. Um, so you
1: didn't turn you your know, phone off. Some guys do that; they just kind of, you know, shut down and and don't be bothered. You didn't do that.
0: No, I mean, I I like to, you know, obviously, you know, later in the week, my phone was blowing up, but I wasn't responding to tons of texts and things like okay. that. Maybe like okay. I'd, I'd call some close, I'd just call close friends and just see how they're doing and they'd want to check up on me and just talk about it. Like I, one of my good friends, uh, from James Madison, she just moved into her new apartment the other day and I just gave her a call and just wanted to see how that was going along and how she was doing just to get my mind off golf. And you know, if you just kind of sit there and marinate and golf for 24 seven, it's especially during a long tournament week, it you can uh, get mentally exhausted pretty quickly. Yeah,
1: of course so you beat andy two and one and um now -hmm. you're going into basically in my opinion is the the hardest match in Amateur golf it's the semifinal match of the u.s amateur where if you win i think everyone knows what's waiting for you if you lose it's hey great great tournament you know you get that handshake and better luck next year and and that's really it and you're going into this match knowing what's on the line and you'd had you've had jimmy beck on your bag the entire week he's the uh Newly instated assistant coach at Ohio State, you guys are rocking, you're rolling, and this is definitely not the time to uh, <laughs> to switch things up. Not that uh, you you switched him up because of anything he did, but um, you had to switch things up and find a replacement caddy because Jimmy had to go back home to attend his own baby shower, which is his first child. So everyone needs to just, man, I saw some of the comments up there. How's the caddy leaving? This is ridiculous. Everyone needs to back up <laughs> a little bit it's his first kid so everyone comes from kind of a break but um great story talk about talk about the replacement caddy talk about Carter Picarin.
0: yeah so Carter and I go back a long time uh you know he was a uh, member out at my club when we played a lot when we were younger uh, he was a freshman in high school and as a senior and we're the only kids that lived in the South hills of Pittsburgh and we went to a private school in the city so we had to drive ourselves to school and so as his essentially his uber driver for uh most of his uh <laughs> freshman year nice. um and we spent a lot of time together and we got really close that way and we continue to play a lot of golf and um yeah and I, I was uh i jimmy let me know like hey before the week started like hey if we make it to saturday i have my baby shower um so you might need to find someone else for that day and i was like oh that that's no problem no big deal I'll have my brother max or someone else hop on the bag if that's the case but I uh, uh, I was telling Carter about it that about you know the USAM and everything. And he's like, "Oh man, if you make it to Saturday Sunday, you know you I'm my family's gonna be in Beaver Creek and you know we'll come down and watch." And I said to him, I "Was like, dude, if you're coming down to watch, you're coming down to caddy. <laughs> uh, you're uh like you're on the bag if uh, if we make it that far." And he's and he was um pretty pumped about the prospects of that. And then as soon as I finished up my quarterfinal match, I Facetime him and told him to get his ass down to Denver, yeah. and um, it was a, it was it was really fun. You know, he came for Austin Greaser in the him at Oakmont, and so he had done it before too, which I think was a huge advantage for us because he knew what it was about. He, I knew he was going to be cool under pressure. He doesn't really show his emotions, and I knew that he was uh, just going to be a friendly face there for me throughout the whole day and through that walk.
1: Yeah, I I also I mean I, I don't even know why I didn't even think about that, but that's brilliant that you brought him out that morning and you just had him putt. I mean, he plays at Wisconsin. He's a stick. He can play golf, and I never that's brilliant to say. Look, before you start telling me what you think, you need to go putt these, and that makes a lot of sense. I don't know why I didn't even think about that.
0: Yeah, it was um it was something that for me, like I know when I'm playing golf and getting used to greens, just getting on the practice green and. You know, different grasses break differently, and week to week, you know, we, we kind of get used to that and adjusting. But when you're coming onto somewhere fresh, you know, it, I knew it was going to be important for him. But I knew I was really comfortable at Cherry Hills on those greens with the uh, Poana. Um, they're pretty similar to what we have back here in Pittsburgh, and uh, I I had a lot of trust in him that he was going to adjust quickly and be able to help me out a bunch. And, um, and we've we read a lot of really good putts that day.
1: The world of amateur golf knows exactly who you are. If they've been following things this summer, you know, whether it's elite Am golf series or, you know, NCAAs, or just, you know, your, your colleagues, your peers, people that follow the game closely, like myself uh, knew exactly what you, uh, what you're up to this summer. Um, no one, I don't think, uh, you know, within those circles was incredibly surprised to see the run that you were on at Cherry Hills, uh, but the general golfing public got introduced to Neil Shipley um, on Saturday at the sem- in the semifinals. So you are there, mm-hmm. you're playing JM. Butler, and the TV coverage starts going. The crowd was incredible that day. First of all, let's talk about these crowds during the semifinals. When did you start realizing that the majority of them were rooting for you? and you know how did you use their energy to your advantage? I mean, had you ever played in front of a crowd like that?
0: I mean, I've, I've never had to d- deal with a crowd like that before, but, you know, I kind of knew quickly that uh, the crowd seemed to like me and seemed to be on my side because I was getting a lot of like, let's go ship and like, yeah. you know, all, you know, all that, lots of high fives. And, um, you know, I just, I just felt like they, you know, supported me and wanted me to do well. And I really started to feel it after winning 11 and 12, you know, the crowd started to get a little bit louder I think actually, you know, after the turn, we ended up getting two policemen to walk with the group, I noticed, because just how big they were, and there weren't enough people to, um, you know, handle with ropes and things like that, and I think there's some people concerned uh, about uh, some rowdiness there, and um, man, it was uh, was a challenge to deal with, just because with all those people moving around, you have to... Wait on golf shots. You know, I like to play quick. And yeah. I, I'm glad you, well, yeah.
1: Cause you play fast. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I'm thinking, okay, if you're a, if you're a moderately, you know, if you're a moderate, if your tempo is moderate or if you're even a slow player, that probably helps you because you're like, okay, let's slow down. We don't need to rush. But you know, I remember like, if you're, you know, if uh, you know, JM was hitting, um, hitting first, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure how many times, but I know I did see Jam hitting first out of some fairways. And the crowd then rushes up. Well, you're kind of ready to go, aren't you?
0: Yeah, yeah. A lot of times I'd be ready to go I'd step over the shot. And then all of a sudden you hear Marshalls being like, quiet, please. Right, exactly. or Things like that. You know, right as I'm right, about to go. and um, you, know, you just have to take your time and step off and just uh, refocus yourself and I think we adjusted quickly, um, you know. After the first few holes that happened, it was like, "All right, let's just give it two minutes before we like start thinking about our target and getting into the golf shot." You know, I, I was, I, I'm the type of player who likes to pick out the club and figure out what type of shot you want to hit. Well, before um, you know, it's your turn to go, right. just so that I'm ready. And then, you know, but just taking a second to before we get into my process and pre-shot routine, just to make sure that everything's settled settled and I'm comfortable to go.
1: Were a lot of the fans trying to get close to you so they can just like touch your hair. Do you think that's what it was? Or like, you know, or, I mean, what, what was it that, that drew them into you? Was it the physique? Was it the hair? What, I mean, what, what do you think, you know, made the crowds fall in love with you at Cherry Hills?
0: Oh, I mean, I, it's, it's gotta be a combination of, it. I saw a lot of these videos that they said, you know, I look like Pat Perez and guys like that. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think that just adds to the mystique when you got a beer belly and some long flow. It's uh, pretty, uh, you, you become pretty likable. Uh-huh.
1: That's <laughs> awesome. Well, this match, um, uh, oh, I forgot to ask you. So, name a few of the things throughout the week that you were asked to sign.
0: Oh, gosh. Um, so, <laughs> and, I mean. And, and uh, keep,
1: you, you don't need, you know, keep it, keep it somewhat PG-13, um, you know. So, I mean, do, do your best.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll keep out the things that John Daly would have signed. Gotcha. Um, I understand. But you know, obviously lots of credentials, hats, um, things like that. But we had a lot of people asking me to sign, uh, They're uh, you know, the little nicotine pouches. Um, I mean the tons of people were asking me to sign those. I signed quite a bit of those throughout the whole entire week. And, uh, it was, I always got a big chuckle out of that. Um, you know, I think you see videos of uh, guys doing it with NFL players, and it it always gets uh, it makes me chuckle. And so it was kind of funny for me to be the guy signing it. Uh, it was uh, really, really funny.
1: Do you think you would have – I know it's hard to answer this one, but do you think you would have been able to come back in that match against JM if if you didn't have that huge crowd going, going for you? I mean, how much do you think it – I mean, you're the one hitting the shots. It's not like, you know – you know, you know, you know, Hubert, the guy that's 60 years old following you is hitting any of these shots or making these putts. But, you know, how much really did that kind of help you complete that comeback?
0: Yeah, I think the start of the comeback on with 11 and 12 was really mostly on me and just because, you know, at that point he is three up and, you know, the momentum was really on his side and I was able to like flip a hole there on eleven where I he hits it in the fairway and I I hit it in the fairway bunker and instead of laying up like I had all week I decided, well, you know, you gotta make something happen and pull pull a five iron out of that fairway bunker and hit it to the front of the green. Um and so right after that, you know, that's good and then I you know, the after the shot on twelve hit it stiff, he hits in the water. He concedes the hole, and the, cloud, the crowd started to get loud. And I think that's where I started gain a lot of momentum with the crowd, and uh, that's where they they really helped me get over the finish line. I think.
1: Seventeenth hole, the semifinals, probably the most memorable hole I would say of the entire championship. Um, you know, it's obviously not the one that it ended on uh, uh, the following day in the finals, but when I think of something that's going to get watched again and again it's that 17th hole long par five, um, <clears throat> really, a, a you know, Island green. So basically you got to be in the absolute perfect spot to be able to go for that green and two. I didn't see that very often just cause of that bottleneck, uh, where the fairway r- kind of runs out, there's bunkers, there's trees. So you lay up, um, for a wedge shot and, um, you know, jam ran into some trouble there, finding bunkers and, um, uh, or finding a bunker there, hit a tree. That was a really tough hole for him. But, um, You know, at the back of the range on the Instagram account, there are some instances where I like to, uh, you know, I like to put a picture up and challenge uh, followers to give me their best caption. And I've just sent you a text message with a photo. And in your best words, I'd like you to describe what you're seeing right now that I just texted you. What what are you looking at right now? What what is this?
0: Um, well, I see an elderly man to the left there being helped oh. through the crowd by a young man with some beautiful hair. Um, oh. I guess there must there's a lot of crowd issues, and um, I, I guess that 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 uh, grandpa got stuck somewhere. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty wild there. I'm glad he's okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's uh, that's not the most popular uh, description of that image. Um, I heard why is Neil Shipley throwing Ben into the water around 17? That's, that was, that's mainly what I've heard, but, um, wow. Uh, elderly man. All right. Um, you know, I'm still going to be seeing you in amateur golf for the next year. You understand I'm going to be
0: seeing you a little bit, right? Oh, oh, uh, am I? Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. No, I'm not that old. I'm not,
1: <laughs> I'm not shutting it down. So no, but that, that is basically what happened. So you, you got, what was your number for the wedge shot on,
0: on, uh, 17? I had, uh, 93 yards for back into the fan and I hit it like a half swing with the 54 degree wedge, which is uh one more wedge than I'd normally hit from 90. Um, so
1: probably lands at least one Oh five. And then you spin mm-hmm. that thing back to, to kick in and basically he concedes the birdie and really, um, he has a, uh, he has a, he has a birdie chip and, you know, I actually mm-hmm. walked down there to look at it and truthfully, I was a little torn of who to point my camera at, pointing at you and Carter, kind of just arm in arm, waiting to see what would happen. But I'm looking at his chip, and his chip I, the best way to describe his chip is it's the chip that everyone hits when they're practicing before they go out to play. It's throw three balls down, it's a little 10, 15 yard chip up the hill. It's the warm up chip that every single golfer has when they go. Chip before playing golf, fair?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
1: So right then and there, you're watching this. You, you're, where, where are you even mentally at at this
0: point? So you know, after I get to get the context of it too. You know, I hit that shot, spin it back to a foot, and the crowd swarms the fairway. Oh, I can't yeah, see
1: the yeah, ball stop. Yeah, I forgot that part. Yeah, walk. Yeah, a hundred yards for you to get to right there to get under the green. That had to be. That's the most incredible thing I've ever seen in amateur golf.
0: Yeah, I mean, I got I got swarmed. It was almost like Tiger at East Lake five years ago, where like he like it was just a ridiculous crowd, and I was all pumped up. And you know, the crowd kind of, I hit the shot, the ball landed, and then the crowd swarmed in in front of the lake, and I could I was like jumping up to try and see where the ball finished because I was I was worried about it spinning into the water, at you know, sure. the front, um, with, with the way I hit it, and um. I mean, I got saw this. I saw this close, and you know, then I just started kind of going crazy and high fiving people on the way up, and it was just it was just a mob scene. And then I get up there, I wait. JM gives me the ball or gives concedes the pot, and I'm sitting there with Carter, and I'm like, "Man, that was awesome. This is ridiculous." But with Carter, and you know, I said, "Dang, he he's gonna make this chip. Like, we gotta get focused." And I just kept saying, "Like, he's gonna make it. He's gonna make it." Like. You know, we're just going to hit 4-iron on that next tee. We're going to make a par. We're going to force him to make a birdie to win. You know, let's just, like, at least tie that hole. Like, let's just get zoned in. And I I had that mindset of, like, this match is going to continue on and keep going. And um, I'm obviously happy that he missed it because that gave me the match. But then also, if he would have made and I would have had to go on the next tee, I mean, trying to resettle would have been very difficult. But I was trying to do my best there.
1: I was, yeah, nobody wants to go to 18 with the match on the line. You've done it, you had done it before, obviously, through with Wen Yi and you've done it with uh, with Callum. But yeah, that 18th hole, that tee shot, I just saw so much heartbreak on that hole uh, throughout the week because you just, you cook that thing just a little too much and you get that uh, kind of that top spin or side spin on it and it just jumps into the water. I mean, it's just, it's a terrible hole. Uh, well, it's a great hole, but it's just a terribly difficult driving hole.
0: Yeah, it is, and if you push a little bit too far, right, then you're in the thick rough. And yep, laying up. You pretty much have you're laying up, and and even if if you c- catch a great lie, it's you're not going to be able to hold the green from there. Yeah. Um. So it's uh, you know, that's a hole that you don't want, and uh, it was uh, definitely um, definitely happy that with with what was going on with those crowds and how how like just energized up everybody was that I really didn't have to go through that.
1: You, uh, he misses the chip, and you realize pretty damn quickly that you are uh, in the finals of the U.S. Amateur, and you also know what's coming your way, win or lose, the following day against Nick Dunlap. You know that you're going to get an invite to the Masters, and you're going to be have an invite to the U.S. Open, and uh, all of these great things. So, um, you know, the evening, I, I mean, well, hell, I got you on the uh, – let me ask the band. I mean, how did you spend the evening with your parents and your sister and your brother – and everything that goes with it. How did you spend the evening, you know, A, you got to celebrate the accomplishment, but you kind of also need to get your head screwed on straight for the following day. So what did you do that evening?
0: Um, Well, after I got done with the media that evening, um, I think I went up to the player hospitality. I hung out with my family for a little bit, but then I went back. I was staying at a host house all week, so I went back there with Carter and his brother and just relaxed there. I think we watched a movie. Um, we're just hanging out. And, you know, part of that, too, I gave my uh, Jimmy Beck a call just to double check see what his plan was. <laughs> and when I gave him a call, he's like, hey, I'm, I'm headed to the airport right now to catch a flight to Denver. I'll get there at midnight or 1 a.m. So amazing. He, he he snuck into the house like Santa Claus. No one even knew he was there. And uh, I it was, you know, just got a really good night's rest of sleep, you know. And uh, so you did sleep well. Yeah. You know, I think after all that adrenaline and pressure and everything, like you just, you're just exhausted. It was, I just got to sleep really quickly once I, uh, once my head hit the pillow.
1: And you were out, I think. um, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I, I messed that up. So you're, so you go into this final against Nick Dunlap, who has won twice this summer, former U.S. junior amateur champion, and it's a 36 hole final and you guys go out in the morning and you both shoot five under with you know natural concessions in in uh in match play but basically you both shoot the best rounds of the championship at cherry hills in the morning session the final with all that pressure and everything on the line um, did you think much about what had transpired during that morning session how you played how he played what you might do differently in the afternoon, or was it just simply I made Bury on 18? We're tied, let's go get lunch. Did you put much thought into what happened in the morning and how it, you know, would affect the afternoon?
0: You know, I knew that going in with some, moment, some momentum being tied was nice. Um, and I was really happy about that. And I really didn't put it together that we had shot five red until maybe 20 or 30 minutes after we finished up. I was just, and you know somebody came up to me and was like, Hey, it's one heck playing? You know, you, both you guys at five under, that's unbelievable. And I was just thinking, I was like, We're both five under and we're tied? Like yeah. holy smokes. I mean that it, it must have been one of the best morning eighteen sessions in US amateur history. I mean, I don't think you could get two guys playing better. And that was it was uh it was un- it was pretty unbelievable.
1: Was there any thought of like, man, I just threw my best round at him and we're still tied. Did you really go that direction or was it just literally like, man, we're both balling out. Let's just keep it going.
0: Yeah. It it was more the, we're both balling out. Let's keep it going for me. You know, I, I knew that, you know, over the course of 36 holes, it's hard to keep that up, but I didn't see any reason why, you know, I couldn't keep playing really well and, you know, why he might not give me a few things here or there. Um, you know, it was just trying to stay mentally focused and just try to stay in the match throughout the whole day.
1: So this match, you know, goes to the 50s in the afternoon. Um, you know, you we spoke earlier about your summer that included three runners up. I know that, you know, two of those, I mean, Hunter Logan edges you at the Dogwood. He had to shoot a 61 to do it. And then the a week a week after, JVP, people are comfortable shooting 61s when you're in the field, apparently. So JVP shoots 61 at Sunny Hannah if I were to guess the transmiss was probably the most disappointing runner up finish for you, uh, leading in, you know, just with, uh, what happened at Brook hollow, but you've had a few days to process this now after, uh, after, you know, losing in the final to Nick, how do you feel about, about the, the final?
0: Very proud of how I played. Um, I feel like if I was playing, you know, 75% of other final matches in the US amateur, I might've come out with a have Yeah. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I, I made Nick earn it. Um, you know, and I think that I was a really worthy opponent of him and that I wasn't, you know, he, he was the better player that day, but I didn't feel outclassed in uh, any manner. And he got the putter working really hot there on that last 18. And, um, you know, hats off to him. He, he just played awesome, but you know, I, I've, I knew I wasn't going to just roll over and let him take it, you know, yet to, uh, he, he's gonna have to earn it for me. And, uh, I think I did that. And, um, you know, was a great competitor throughout the whole
1: day. I would agree. And I guess that also makes it feel better. If you're going to lose, lose in that fashion, instead of, you know, not having your game, not making him earn it. That makes, I'm guessing that makes the, the loss a little bit easier to deal with.
0: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, at the end of the day it's just so hard to win and, yeah. I know that, you know, there's there's got to be one around the corner soon, just the way I've been playing. And I'm just trying to stay patient and just uh, trusting the process. And, um, you know, uh, these things happen for a reason. You know, God has a plan for me. And uh, I think that uh, it goes a lot further beyond whatever happened uh, this past week at Cherry Hills.
1: You're going to be a very, very popular figure walking the fairways of Augusta National. Um, you're going to be even more popular at college events, and also you're getting a Corn Ferry Tour exemption thanks to your fourth place finish in the Elite Amateur Cup uh, point standings this summer, so there's a yet-to-be-determined destination you'll be going to to play uh, in a Corn Ferry Tour event. This also lines up really nicely for your PGA Tour U-run in your last year of college golf I mean, this is kind of why you transferred to Ohio State. I mean, I know you had a great experience at James Madison, but Ohio State's going to give you more opportunities to play in college events that are going to kick those ranking points up. Um, how do you how do you kind of transfer all of these last you know couple of months and all these experiences, how do you transfer that into one more ride with the Buckeyes?
0: Just going to be about keeping on doing what I've been doing all summer, you know, just staying prepared and ready for each tournament and just continue to work hard. I think that's been my best attribute for my entire five years of college is i'm i'm just gonna work harder than just about anyone out there and you know if you keep working that hard over an extended period of time you know you you start to gain a lot on people i feel like and so that's uh i'm gonna keep doing that and just uh you know keep just getting better incrementally over time and uh try to beat up on guys as we uh go throughout the year
1: one of the memories that I will take away from the U.S. Amateur was after your semifinal round, I um, I was talking to uh, your brother, Max, and we were talking about the Masters and all that stuff, and I said, yeah, well, you know, it's going to be, uh, the next few months are going to be super exciting because you know he'll be at Augusta several times and you know your brother's looking at me he's not really understanding and i said well you know they don't just let him show up the week of the tournament it's not like he just shows up on monday of the masters to try and figure it all out you know he's going to get invites and he's going to have you know multiple trips to augusta national and as i'm saying this i think it's starting to register in your brother's head that he might be able to go on one of these trips um, I, I didn't have the heart to tell him that, you know, he's, he's in a very, very long line and a lot of people on that list, but do, do you, what makes you more nervous hitting like your first tee shot, uh, a, a, in the masters or, or max running around Augusta national unsupervised, what's giving you the most, 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 uh, a pause right now.
0: Oh gosh. You know, max running around the masters unsupervised is giving me a lot of anxiety, <laughs> um, i i you know he can be a wild card sometimes love him to death
1: you might um, need to take him actually and now that I'm thinking about it you might need to take him on one of those trips not so that not so much you getting acclimated to it he probably needs to get acclimated to it as well
0: yeah I think so you know if we if we don't get him on a practice trip we might have to put a leash on him for the that, whole tournament like one of those backpack kids yeah um,
1: actually i think that, you should do that anyway because that'd be funny anyway uh but, oh. <laughs> but no you're you're right i i mean he's gonna be and your and your parents also and your sister there i mean your mom was holding it together barely um in in the semifinal and in the final but she she did well but she was she was pretty excited
0: Oh yeah. It was uh there was a lot of really cool moments throughout the whole week. And uh, I mean, she was crying a lot just about after every match I'd finish up and she'd be like, start just about start tearing up and just be like, Oh, I'm so proud of you. And it's, it was, it was cool to have that. And uh, she, she just loves me and they've done a lot for me and it's been a long road to here. And I just think that they're, uh, I'm really proud of myself, but I think that they're even more proud of me because they see what goes on behind the scenes and how hard I work. And I think it, it, it's really
1: cool. Yeah, I got I got a couple of pictures of your parents uh, hugging after that semifinal, and yeah, it was uh, there was there was some moisture in the uh, in the camera for some reason. There was there, it got, I don't know what happened <laughs> because it was just sunny and hot. I don't know why there was a bunch of moisture in the eyepiece of that camera, but uh, yeah, it was really special to see not just your how you uh, you know embrace the win in the semis, and um, but yeah, your your family was really really touched by that i love the the FaceTime with your grandmother who was having trouble negotiating how to get the camera pointed at her face uh, during the FaceTime. i thought that was kind of <laughs> but, but that was awesome um so practice around tea time with the masters you got anyone uh, that uh, we need to get on the phone to call and arrange uh, uh you know have you figured that piece out yet i know we got a long time to think about that but is there a is there a dream practice around pairing that you have in mind
0: uh, I mean, if, if Tiger Woods is, uh, healthy, um, okay. I, I gotta, I gotta find a way, um, I gotta see that. <laughs> um, okay. but, uh, I got, uh, I have a few connections I think I plan on using, uh, just to, just to meet some guys and pick their brains. Uh, I think, you know, I've, I have a few connections to, to a couple major champions and, uh, I hopefully I can, uh, use those and, uh, just, just really trying to enjoy the week and get get a cool experience out of it because uh at the end of the day you know we're gonna be playing against the best players in the world and i think i can compete there but as an amateur you know the experience i think is what's cool i mean to say you played the masters as an an amateur is uh yeah is really special and i i I haven't wrapped my hat my hand uh, i haven't wrapped my head around that yet it's uh that's gonna be a very very special week
1: I think the player dining question that I asked you earlier I think you might have a different answer to that after the masters I'm just I'm just going out on a limb I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, we might have to have like a tally of how many uh, pimento cheese have you actually actually have you been to the Masters before?
0: I have never been on Augusta national property I when I played the Palmetto amateur one year I drove by on Washington Road and uh, just to see the sign. Yeah, and um, other than that, that place is a compound. You can't see it. I know. In or out. I've done that. Get near I, it. I did a drive
1: by. Um, well, drive by sounds bad. I drove past it once. Um, where was I going from? I was. I was driving from. I can't remember. I travel a lot, but I was driving from somewhere to somewhere else, and I was like, let me swing through Augusta. And yeah, it it kind of looks like. I guess it looks like imagine disney being just barricaded shut for repairs that's kind of what it looks like like you know what's under the other side of the wall there's no way you're getting through
0: yeah it's it's like fort knox and yeah i think uh it's it'd be interesting to see if i uh, tried to jump the fence right now if they let me in or not i think that's something we might go try i
1: wouldn't do no no don't do anything like that man don't don't jump fences (laughs) just you got a ticket it's coming just just hold just hold tight don't do anything crazy. Just, you're, you're good. Um, well, it was a thrill, uh, Neil, personally, man, it was a thrill to watch you all summer, uh, not just at the USAM, but at all these tournaments, how you just basically, I mean, it was the summer of Shipley. I know that there are other guys that held some trophies this summer, but you want to talk about consistency. And about you know capturing uh, the attention of uh, of amateur golf and of uh, of general golf fans this past week at the USAM, it was uh, it was great to watch. One of the highlights of my summer. I will see you uh, once college uh, golf starts up again. And uh, yeah, let's do this again uh, towards April. But I appreciate you stopping by the back of the range.
0: Thanks, Ben. I couldn't uh, couldn't think of a better way to cap off the summer, Shipley, than coming on the back of the range. So thanks for having me. And there you have it. Special thanks to Neil Shipley
1: for joining me on this episode here at the Back of the Range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I guess it's called X now. I'm going to call it Twitter. I don't care. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Everything you need to know about the Back of the Range can be found on the website, thebackoftherange.com. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for all your support. And we'll see you next week here at the Back of the Range.